Welcome in. This is the latest edition of the Character Concerns Podcast. I'm Christian Ocero. I am joined by my co-host, the guy with the flaming hot football takes here, Jay Binkley. Like Cheetos. Yeah. Uh, it leaves, uh, leaves your fingers leaves sticking your, in. leaves that uh, red residue yeah. on your fingers there. Yeah. Nobody yeah. wants that. Uh, but we got a lot of stuff here to talk about in uh, this episode here. We finally are going to have some games finally. this weekend. We're here. Finally. I, I know the Chiefs are on the commercial on 610 with the... Uh, I love it. The most t- wonderful time of the year. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it, perfect to talk about this, but yes, the most wonderful time of the year is football season. Yeah. And we, we're here. There's no more waiting for it. No more. There's no more sitting there. Well, we got it in a couple weeks or no, no. We have it this weekend. So Real fo- we got high school football, in Missouri. Yes. We got college football Saturday. We got football. And football in Kansas too, right? It, well, it's a week later. Kansas is, next Kansas week? is a week later. Okay. So it only starts a week later than Missouri. That's weird because they start school a week well, later. Yeah, Liberty North and uh, yeah. Lisa North battling it out one and two. Uh, hopefully uh, it cools off a little bit because right now, I mean, it's like almost 100 degrees outside. It's right supposed now. to. I know a lot of practices have been moved inside. Yeah. Heat index has been. I, I think yesterday the heat index reached 118. Yeah. Uh, they except for Lawrence is like what one thirty. Yes, terrible. And then, like there was like they, they had the, the air show yesterday oh. uh, with the Blue Angels. We could hear guys, it. Man. We could hear it from where we were at. And uh, I think they said like almost seventy people were treated for heat related yeah, illness. I feel bad for them, Six people went to the hot. hospital. Mm. So be careful out there in this heat. This has been a terrible week for the Heat. There, I think it's supposed to continue through next week. Yeah, not, good, not quite good, as good bad. Good training camps done, huh? Exactly. Really, well, they're still practicing. They're still practicing. I'm sure they're inside. Yeah, yeah. Like they <laughs> so we're we're gonna hit on a lot of topics here today. Um, gonna touch. We're gonna touch on the Michael Lower story because uh, that has been very interesting. We, that actually came out. Right after we finished recording last week, I remember I, I was going to go pick up my girlfriend and her friends at the airport. And as I was waiting at the cell phone lot up there at the new KCI, I was reading the story because that's when it, it was first breaking. So uh, we'll talk about that. We'll give you a preview on offensive linemen that you should be watching here in the coming season, especially now that games are going to start up here. So be looking out for that. Obviously, we're going to touch up on some of these guys that have been playing in the NFL as rookies from this past from this past class in the spring, um, how they're going after preseason week two, plus starting to see uh, there's, there's some guys, young guys. My guy stands a minute. We got to throw it. No. <laughs> and there's some young guys over on the Kansas City Chiefs that are really starting to come out and uh, and break out with the opportunities they're being given. So we'll talk about there at the end of the show. But I want to talk about... The top 25, AP top 25, came out last week. And now as we go into week zero of the college football season, we got to talk about who we think are going to be the the contenders and the pretenders. And I'll give you a quick rundown of this top 25. Um, 20, 25 through 21, you've got Iowa, you've got Tulane, you've got Texas A&M, Ole Miss and North Carolina there between 25 and 21. Then 20 through 15, you have Oklahoma, Wisconsin, Oregon State, TCU, and Kansas State. 15 through 11, you have Oregon, you have Utah, Notre Dame, Tennessee, and Texas right there at number 11. And then for the top 10, you have Washington, Clemson, Florida State, 
Penn State, USC, LSU, Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan, and then number one, you've got Georgia. But I will say this, Chris. 17 of the last 19 AP preseason uh, number one ranked teams failed to win the national title. Brett yeah. Murphy on Twitter reminded me of that, but it is a uh, an omen. Only Alabama in 2017, USC in 2004 um, did it. Uh, Georgia also trying to become the first three-peat champion since Minnesota, 34-36, according to Brett McMurphy. So let's go through the top 25 here, and let's let's point out here. Let's just get it down here. Who are the legit contenders right now ranked in the top 25? There's only a couple, right? I don't think there's many. No. We were thinking of four in we the We could obviously count Georgia in there. Georgia's in there. I think Michigan's in there, too. Maybe. I mean, you know, you're breaking a new quarterback and things I, can go I, awry for you. Yeah. Alabama learned that. Georgia's, Georgia's got people. so much talent. I think they can they can overcome any issues with inexperience that they've got on there. As far as the roster. top four with Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, and Alabama, we just we sit with the top four. I really like Michigan. And the news today that uh, Harbaugh, because it looked like initially he was going to get four game suspension to begin, begin the year. Yeah, because there was a deal. Big deal. You and then that, big, and that got rejected. It got rejected into another deal. So essentially, uh, Harbaugh loses games against East Carolina, UNLV, and Bowling Green. You and I could coach victories for Michigan. I think so too, yeah. In those games. <laughs> we so, should actually call them and see if they want our services for three weeks. Absolutely the best running game in the nation at Michigan. Yep, two got two running backs. I mean, just two running backs that could prob that could probably be drafted on the first two days. hundred percent. JJ McCarthy, the quarterback, yeah, shows some accuracy problems at times. But yeah. what a big arm! He'll be drafted and probably a third day, early it, third day pick. It could it could be a guy that's second round. Could be. It could even bounce himself higher depending on how Michigan uh, finishes. And Ohio State at three, and Alabama four. When you think about top four, would I be shocked at all to see three of these teams in the postseason? No. I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. It's not like we look at these and say one of these teams doesn't belong because I think they all belong. Now, can Georgia beat that streak of you know seventeen last nineteen? You know, being ranked preseason number one, can they hold on that? Because you have LSU coming strong with Jalen Daniels there, the Heisman candidate quarterback at number five, Caleb Williams, Heisman Trophy sitting at six, and then you have Penn State, Florida State, and Clemson. Okay. A couple of those teams won't be there. Like Penn State could fall. Florida State is a lot of inconsistency to be a top 10 team. And Clemson, can they bounce back this year? And then, of course, you with Washington sitting there at the end. But the top 10, I like. I am skeptical because I do want to see something on the Penn State and Florida State to say, all right, this is a top 10 team. So here are the teams I think are the real contenders. Like, I think have a really good chance to go to the college football I think I could pick four out of six of these. Yeah, Georgia for sure. Michigan for sure. Ohio State, I think, is a very, very strong chance, even if they don't win the Big Big Ten. I think they got a really good chance. Really super talented. Always a top five team in terms of recruiting. This team's absolutely going to be in the mix, even if if they lose two games, obviously it's different. But if they just lose the Michigan game, I don't think that's going to hurt them that much. Alabama, for sure, is going to be in that mix. Always, as long as you got Nick Saban, as long as he's one of the top recruiting coaches out there, you're good. And Kyle McCord, a quarterback, fill right in with CJ Stroud. Yeah, exactly. Um, LSU, absolutely. I mean, again, you just you brought up Heisman Trophy candidate quarterback. 
Uh, Brian Kelly has been a very good recruiter throughout his career. He was decent at Cincinnati, but he was very good at Notre Dame. Although I, I say Kyle McCord, but he hasn't officially named his starter. Yeah, exactly. Right yeah, but like they've got a lot of talent there at LSU, so certainly going to be in the mix. But I think they probably they I don't I, they would have you would have to see a ton of improvement from that team, a ton of consistency from that team for them to be a real contender. USC. I think has a very strong chance. Obviously, you know, you got Caleb Williams there, and you think great head coach, yeah, Lincoln great Riley. head coach in Lincoln Riley. You think that they would be able to dominate, or at least be on be on top of the the Pac-12. They didn't win it last year. That was that was Utah that won it. They certainly have a chance. They could very well see themselves in the playoff for sure. I think they'll get the benefit of the doubt because Lincoln Riley, because Caleb Williams. Outside of that. I don't see any other teams in the top 10 that I would consider a real national title contender. That's it. Like Florida State's got the talent. We know that. We talked about uh, on the, the defense I, I last week. I don't trust the coaching, though. The coaching is, like, again, I think Penn State and Florida State, when you look back at it at the beginning of the top 10, preseason top 10, you think, eh, that they really deserve to be in the top 10. But you take that six, and I'm taking the top four. I think the, I think, I think the AP got it right because then you have – then when you look at – yeah, USC deserves to be in there because I could see USC, you know, they will slip up. They always find a way to slip up. We'll see if they can actually slip up this year. But they did last year because uh, Caleb Williams, he didn't find himself in the playoffs. Yep. And he could have, he very well easily could have been in the playoffs last year. And then a very good LSU team that I think a lot of people are sleeping on. Yeah. I think, again, it's just about With the Heisman them. Trophy candidate quarterback in Daniels. It's about them, actually, because like it's easy for you know us to talk about Heisman Trophy candidate right now in August, but things change. By the time October hits, we'll see if he's actually lived up to the hype. We'll see if the team has really developed to a point where they can, but they so can much live up to that. Quarterbacks, and you say, okay, who's this guy? It's obviously you know Caleb Williams there. You have Carson Beck going in at Georgia. You know, so you're looking at these quarterback situations, saying, "Hey, right, who's going to be the quarterback?" Because you're placing Stetson Bennett, back-to-back yeah. winners, yeah, and Carson Beck. So I don't know. And there's the quarterback battle at Ohio State still. I'm, I'm saying McCord's it, but he may not be it. So, yeah, I mean, they got a battle going on. So you know, I, you think by the end of September they should figure that one out. But Georgia has named Carson Beck. Yeah, yeah, but again, we we know that that could change if if say for instance. He doesn't quite live up to the hype that they're hoping for him. They could obviously bench him and, and and start someone else. So they are definitely in that situation where they're still trying to figure out who's the best at that position. But the thing is, they got so much talent around around their that that situation that they don't have to worry about there being growing pains like a lot of other teams would do because you got powers, because you got that great defense, because you're always one of the top five, top three recruiting classes in college football. You don't have to worry about that. And with Ohio State, it's about the receivers. Yeah. And it's about Marvin Harrison Jr. Oh, yeah. And and that's gonna that's really going to help out. That's really going to help them out there. Because can he win the Heisman? I mean, Devontae Smith won it in 2020. It's not like it's out of the question for receivers to win Marvin it. Harrison Jr. will be in the mix for Heisman the entire year because he's going to be great again this year. And if that team succeeds, I think he's going to get credit more than than anyone else just because he's been on the radar for the NFL since last season. Like last season, he was the best wide receiver on that team, even though they had what ended up being the top receiver taken in the draft. And Amiga and Jackson Smith and Jimbo, a first so. round wide they have two and he's first another, round wide receivers yeah, at Ohio State. Yeah, and Abuka's gonna be a guy that is is going to be uh talked about a lot too, because he's gonna end up being that secondary like uh what um 
Chris Olave was. And I Garrett like him. Wilson. He's 6'1", yeah, 205, 210. All, oh, those, all, the, all those guys in this yeah. receiver class are, are like the ideal size that you talk about. They're loaded. Um, so out of the top 25, which guy, which teams do you think could be in a position to get upset early and knocked out of the picture pretty quickly? Because there's a few teams I look at. Like one team I'm looking at, very early on, could be in a in a in a in a tough position is North Carolina. I know Drake May's there. I know he's a top quarterback prospect, probably the the second ranked quarterback, quarterback in this class, right behind Caleb Williams. Uh, I don't think North Carolina has gotten better. They have gotten better recruiting over the years. Like certainly, like Mac Brown has done so much there to help out their recruiting, but. At the same time, they're not an elite recruiting team. They're not a team that's going out here and, and recruiting at the level of a Georgia or an Oregon or an Alabama. They just recruit well. And you're facing off against an SEC team in South Carolina. SEC teams generally, unless they're unless you're Vanderbilt or Mizzou, you're generally going to recruit very well, usually top 30. And now you are facing against very good talent that is always facing great teams pretty much every single week, unless they go non-con. And I think there's a very good chance that North Carolina very early, if Drake May gets, if, if he makes some mistakes early, if he feels pressure trying to push himself up to being that top recruit, that top draft pick, he could, it could be a situation where they get trapped early on. And, and before, he's like Sam Howell a ton. To yeah. Remember Sam, Sam Howell was a guy that was projected yep. to be a potential first round pick and he ended up falling to what the fourth round. Yeah. So, so he's starting for Washington. He's commander starting quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's starting for Washington now, but he was certainly a guy that fell pretty drastic. Actually, he was a third round pick, I think. But Sam Howell? Yeah. I think he was third round. I think you get that right. Um, but yeah, like they, those guys, like he was a guy that was projected to be probably mid first round, ended up falling. So, fifth round. He's actually fifth, fifth round. round. Yeah. I was way off. So, yeah. Like, but that was a guy that was thought to be much higher than he ended up being. So, I think that I think very much North Carolina could be on upset alert very early against South Carolina. Another team I'm looking at, TCU, number 17. They're facing Colorado. And uh, Shadur Sanders, who is a one of the guys on that list of potential first-round quarterbacks. Uh, top 10 Heisman candidate. Yeah, top 10 Heisman candidate. Playing at a, at a, at a Power 5 school. Lot of... of uh, there's only... There's like mild expectations, I think, for Colorado this year. I think... That Colorado could very well. I mean, this is this is going to be in in uh, Colorado. I think this could be a situation where they are they could very well upset a TCU that has lost a lot of talent from that national championship team. Quentin Johnston gone, Max Duggan gone, and now you start looking at that roster and they didn't recruit as well as you would like for a team that was in the national parlay. championship game. Did not. Right now, I think. They're recruiting classes down there in like the fifties. I think Georgia just did some bad, bad things to them in that title game. They did. They, they, I mean, they went as far them. as they could, but they just. Hey, just did some you, you got to give Sonny Dykes a lot of credit for doing what he did with that roster because I don't think anybody saw a TCU going well, it was just close games throughout different yeah. times, and then of course you saw what Kansas State did to him at the end. But yeah, I mean they they I think I think we could say that TCU probably overperformed. Much of what they what they were going to do at the from the beginning of the season, I think they kind of overperformed their expectations, and I think now is probably the time they kind of come back to earth. And this would be a nice win 
for Deion Sanders, new head coach at Colorado, because you're facing off against a team that's coming off of a national championship game berth. So that's a team I, I look at for sure to be on upset watch. I, this might sound homerish here. Utah, number 14, facing against my Florida Gators. Future Big 12 Utah. Yeah, future Big 12 Utah. Against the Swamp Kings. Yeah, the Swamp Kings. Yeah, unfortunately, there's no, no Urban Meyer there. Actually, no, that's probably fortunate now. I kind of I kind of hate Urban Meyer now, uh, especially you start hearing about the stuff. Hey, some guys are just cut out for college, man. Yeah, some guys He's are just college coaches. Them. Yeah, some guys are not made for the NFL. And he he surely was Nick one of Saban those guys. didn't last in the NFL either. No, two years he was out. Um, I think Florida, though, there's no expectations on Florida this year. None. They got Graham Mertz. They just named him as the starting quarterback, quarterback yeah. last year. Former, former Bishop-Age uh, quarterback here from Kansas no, City. Uh, no, well, you. He was there, but he went to Blue Valley uh, North. Yeah, okay. Mertz. Yeah, I think okay. that's where he finished up. Oh, he finished at Blue Valley North. Okay. That's how good Bishop Meage is. I, was he at Meage? I think he was at Meage. He was, I think, no, he was at Meage. Was, did he finish? No, he I finished, he finished at, at Meage. No, he won his title at Blue Valley North okay. with Andy Sims at, at uh, Coach. Okay, yeah, because we then I went think to Wisconsin. Was, and was, was his senior year when we were doing a high school show in 16? It was Blue Valley, yeah, Blue Valley North, okay. yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, we were, because we were doing a high school yeah. football show and we were, we, he was one of the, the guys we were covering back then. That was 2016. I've always rooted for that kid. Yeah, me too. And I'll be rooting for him more now since yep, he's the sure. starting quarterback for my Florida Gators. Um, Florida doesn't have a lot of expectations this year. A lot of people think, like, I think the over under right now was like five and a half wins for him this year. I think they hit the over just. Slightly, probably seven wins. And early on against a Utah team that has a lot of pressure coming off of winning the the, the uh, Pac-12 last year. This is their last year in the Pac-12. And Florida is just, look, they've recruited very well, even though they haven't had a lot of stability at the head coaching spot. They've recruited very well. They got a lot of talent there. And I think there's a very good chance they could they could get a win here in Utah against a Utah team that has way more expectations than they. Kyle do. Whittingham's a hell of a coach, man. Yeah, he's a very oh, underrated, a very most coach. underrated coach in the West Coast. Yeah, and I, I, but I think you're starting to see Billy Napier really start to put his stamp on that Florida team. Right now, they have the third ranked recruiting class in college for 2024. Um, they have done a very good job. They got this kid named DJ Lagway, who's you know five star quarterback there uh, out of Georgia. They've got a lot of talent there coming up, and they're. I think they're doing. They're going to really start to find an identity this year. I, I would watch out for them in this Utah game here. Then LSU and Florida State are going to be playing each other week in week zero. I think probably your biggest game of the of the weekend. I think LSU is the uh, sleeper in the SEC. Yeah, and I think I mean, they're going to made the title game. They're getting Brian Kelly. Uh, they're getting the second year in his offense where he's going. Heisman Trophy candidate and Daniels at quarterback. I like LSU a lot here at five. I would not be shocked at all if if they're there at the end. Another team I think is underranked is Kansas State. Didn't show up on some people's ballots. Ended up finishing 16 in the AP. Will Howard, man, he's coming into his own. And I like what Kleiman's doing because he doesn't look back. He always goes forward. I love the way that team's doing things. Heck, even during the pandemic, they were playing when they didn't have to. They didn't have the threshold, the allotment, but were still playing. But I think K-State at 16, I think they can slide up to 10. And Florida, Florida State, as much as I like him, with the quarterback situation, Jordan Travis. Yeah. Um, I like the wide receiver situation, our uh, six foot seven receiver out there at uh, at Florida State as well. And uh, in yeah, verse, uh, Johnny Wilson, Johnny Jr. Wilson, Johnny Wilson, six seven. So and big. Florida State's got the best pass rusher in the country on defense. A guy that's going to go, I think, in the in the top five next year. 
as far as uh, Jared Verse getting to the court. I think he's mm-hmm. the best pass rusher in college football. Again, I think they have pieces that I really like. I'm, I'm going to like watching Florida State play this year. I just don't know if consistently they can keep it together, but I do like them ahead of Penn State. Yeah, Penn I, State's a team I can see slipping down and K-State jumping up. I, I agree with you on K-State. I think K-State's got a really good chance to, to work their way up. I don't think they're like a contender or anything, but I think they'll work their way up. LSU, I think is you know I think they'll kind of stick around where they are. I think Florida State's going to fall. I I I'm not too I like high the on pieces, the, but not I like the pieces. The I don't like the coaching. I don't like the coaching, and that's the 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 issue for me is like to be honest. Like, who was the last great coach the Florida State really had? Bobby Bowden. Bobby, no, 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 Jimbo Fisher. Oh yeah, Jimbo Fisher oh, yeah, was great. Yeah, Jimbo. Jimbo Fisher was great. That's it. Yeah, like Jimbo. when they had Willie Taggart. Not that good. Like Willie Tagger was terrible. I knew when Willie Tagger got hired there after he went like eight and five or seven and six with uh Oregon, I was like, Oh, he's not gonna last there very long. And he didn't. Like two years he was gone. Now you got Mike Norvell. Mike Norvell's cool. Mike Norvell's not an elite recruiter though, and I don't think he is an elite coach at all. And I just think that it's gonna come down to a situation where there are gonna be expectations there. A lot of people looking at them as being the the top, them or Clemson, top in the ACC. And I just don't believe that they have what it takes from a coaching standpoint to overcome what you would have to to be able to put yourself in that contention there. I think, the, I think very well LSU is probably going to win that game. And then I think at the end of that, when, once we start getting to their actual conference schedule, I think they might... Or they're probably good for a couple of slip ups there, and next thing you know, they're playing in like one of the early January bowls. And at that, you know, you know, you know how it is. Like Jared Verse probably won't play. Johnny Wilson Jr. probably won't play. They're going to preserve themselves for the uh, for the for the draft, and you know, from there, they're going to have to start over. So I, I'm just not quite sold on Florida State right now. Yeah, I'm with you because Jimbo did win a national title there back yeah, in 2013. James, with James, but yeah. Bobby had you know the consistency longer. I, I will say this: Look, look for Deion Sanders. If Deion Sanders has a great year. I know Colorado's going oh, to the Big yeah. Twelve. Deion, Deion to will me, be at the top of their list. To me, that's the Florida State next head coach. Me too. I agree with you. I agree with you on that. I think it's that's the most obvious thing. It's his yeah. alma mater. Um, yeah, and on top of that, he'd go into Florida, yeah. which is a hotbed for recruiting. It's one of the top three states for recruiting in the country, besides Texas and California. Um, yeah, they. He's absolutely going to be at the top of that list. That's why I think. He and and those players at Florida at, at Colorado are going to be really motivated because I think for him if he has a great year at Colorado he can get bought out by Florida State if they don't really quite pan out and next thing you know he's down there in Tallahassee trying to win eleven twelve and thirteen are interesting to me because Texas what can Texas, they, I think Quinn Ewers is, is you know he's a Heisman candidate he, he's moving up into the first round I'm not quite, real high I'm not now buying, like top I'm fifteen buying, I'm not buying Ewers Joe Milton at Tennessee strong arm. Yep. The quarterback there, so I, I don't think Tennessee slips. And Notre Dame, because Sam Hartman's there. They played. He's like the Perry Ellis of college football. You know, the college football he's version. He's been there forever. <laughs> he was there like five years at Wake Forest, and now he's the yeah. starting quarterback at Notre Dame. Yeah. I mean, if they, get, if they get a win over Navy in Dublin, but I wouldn't, I mean, Navy could step up and surprise them, too. Very well, yeah. Easily could. So I want to go into Which is this. one of our, uh, pre- our, uh, our games this weekend. Yeah, one of our in games Dublin. this weekend. Yeah. So I want to I get into the Michael Orr story. For those of you who don't know, you know, obviously Michael Orr was the uh, subject of the, the the movie and the book, The Blind Side, Blind Side. and um, he was a a kid who was basically homeless, 
parents were, uh, you know, he was orphaned at a young age. And so he ended up going through foster, through the foster system, not a very good system. So he ended up basically homeless out on the streets. Um, the Tuohy family came in, took him in and, uh, he basically kind of worked his way up really quickly, became a top recruit. He was playing football and basketball, became a top offensive tackle recruit, ended up committing and, and playing for the University of Mississippi, and then eventually was drafted first round, right? He was first he was the first round pick first for round. the Baltimore Ravens. And uh, you know, had a had a decent little career, was never like a superstar player or anything, but had a decent career. Um and now he's 37 years old, out of been out of the league for uh for a few years now. Yeah, the Ravens took him in the first round. Yep. Yep. Yep, Ravens. And uh so last Monday, after we finished recording, sitting at the cell phone lot at the airport, and I, I read on Twitter. <laughs> Good. Oh yeah, it was, it was so you're supposed to be, right? Is yeah. <laughs> I, I had to be over there. I was the waiting, cell phone lot, yeah. luckily, luckily it wasn't too bad over there. It, it, there wasn't a whole oh. lot of traffic getting in and out of the airport there. I was it was five o'clock. So it was I That's thought it was shocking. gonna be worse, but it was actually great getting in and out. Um but there's this revelation that's come out that uh Michael Orr is petitioning a court to end the conservatorship that the Tuohy family has over him because he says that they basically have been making money off of his name and likeness without giving him much of anything in terms of a split from that. And at 37 years old, it kind of, you know, basically he was misled into thinking that he was adopted by them when in fact they just placed a conservatorship over him so they could make money off of him. Which he signed at 18, which he probably he signed, was signing. Yeah, three months after he, he uh, turned 18. He signed over his rights to them, and and they became his conservators. And basically, he has not had full control over sure. his name, image, and likeness since then. So, what's your reaction to that whole story there? Because there's a lot of things coming out there. They've kind of they've denied that they haven't given him anything from from the conservatorship. And uh, the author of the Blind Side was like, "Oh, there's no way that that's true. He's the only person." They didn't outright deny. Anything? Has Sandra real? Bullock weighed in? Yeah, did, I don't think Sandra Bullock has. I think she, people, she, she won was an award heat. for Oscar for that, did she? she yeah, she did. Yeah. She did win an Oscar from that movie, uh, which uh, that movie was a little weird. Um, but what do you, what is your reaction to that? Story? I'm disappointed. I, I love the movie. I love the concept of it. Um, I, I love the story of it. Um, I thought it was cool. I thought it was a great story. Um, you know, about someone finding a home. You know, getting into the family and stuff like that. I guess. At first, I guess I was blindsided by it. You know, no pun intended. That's terrible. No, That's it, is, it is, but what else am I going to say? Because I was blindsided. Were you blindsided by it? No. I thought it was a great story. And all of a sudden, you find out it's not a great I, story. It's like, you can tell me the rookie really didn't throw that baseball almost 100 miles an hour? I've, the, I've There's been some qu- people questioning the validity of that story for a few years now. But I enjoyed it. It is. I understand why people enjoy it. Yeah, I thought it was a great story. So I, I guess the whole thing of it, it's like, you can't have a perfect, you can't have everything perfect. I thought everything was perfect in the story, but who knows? And again, everything's alleged between yeah both of them. Who knew what? Um, both the uh, well, hopefully Michael kept his money because I hope so too. He I really hope so too. He played for, <laughs> playing for the Titans and the Panthers after that, but they're definitely rich. The fast food business, isn't that what they are in? Somewhere yeah, there, yeah, yeah. They actually have a restaurant in down there in Mississippi. Yeah. So yeah, it's just a. I, I wanted like initially, I would take his side. Yeah, because. You know, you're you're looking for a home, and you think you've got it, and you're kind of disappointed by it. So, 
Yeah, so that part of it, I do, but I don't know the inner workings on who told him what. I understand, listen, he's a young, impressionable age. I'm sure he could sign anything or, or not know anything or not know everything. But it, this sucks because it was su- such a great story. You know, that, that I mean, this is one of the greatest you know football stories you hear. Like, here's a guy that, that needed a place. They took him in. He ends up being a first-round pick. Went to Ole Miss, did his deal. I just So hearing the whole story, it kind of took me back a little bit because sometimes I guess things just aren't what they seem, Chris. Yeah, I want to believe him, but I, 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 but I still don't know 100%. I understand. Here. Here's what I think. I think I do believe they gave him a cut of some of that stuff, but like they, like from their point of view, they said that they split, they split the money five ways. Now think about that. They split it between the parents, two kids, and then or. Why did the kids get money? He, he deserved all of it. Why he, did the kids was, get? Why did the parents the first, get the money? He, he's the first round pick. That's he's his story. Only, he's the whole reason that's a story. Listen, and he was an adult. Families when that take happened, in came kids out. all the time. Yeah. I mean, it happens. But this was a success story. Yeah, his he was he was an adult when that money came in. The parents shouldn't have taken a cut. It'd be different if Orr said, "Like here, you guys take a cut of this. That's cool." But like. There's no reason why everybody else should have gotten a cut of that. And they didn't need the money. They didn't need the money. They were good. They were well off financially. Yep. In Michael Orr's career playing in the NFL, he made $34 million total. Yep. So, I mean, you make $34 million in your career. I mean, at taxes, yep. agent fees, and stuff like that. Let's say that he took home about $17, $18 million after all of that. That's still a very, very good income that you take you take in during your. I don't career. know what they're worth, but I mean, you'd have to think this very. You'd similar. have to think that they've made a good deal of money, amount of money off of them. I I do believe they gave him a cut of that stuff, but the thing is, did they deserve a cut of that stuff? I don't think they did. Was well, before Neil went wild, man? He could have really banked in. Yeah, so I'm saying he could have really banked, and then you know what would have happened? They would have taken a cut out of that too. I, it's it's good that they are. Now working to end their conservatorship, but why would you have it a conservatorship over a guy who's been in adulthood for almost twenty? I'm surprised years? he still has it. That's ridiculous. Not only that, but you lied to. He didn't know that they weren't his adoptive parents until well, earlier well, this which year. It's got to be a shock for anybody. Yeah, think about how, think about the feelings of betrayal you feel. Oh, I know. As a kid who grew up basically without parentage, and his family takes you in. And tells you, you know, you know, does all these nice things for you and tell we're going to adopt you. And you find out that they're just taking advantage of you for money based on on what you found. That's got to hurt so much, especially when they've basically been in your life for 20 years now. And you find out that it looks like all of that was a lie. I, I feel bad for Ower, And it just it it kind of infuriates me that you would have these people taking advantage of this kid. When all this kid wants is a family, and then the people he finds that he could call family seemingly take advantage. Hey, this of whole him. situation sucks. It sucks, and I, I hope there's a good resolution to it. And I, I really, really hope that the Twohe family doesn't get involved with any. It's going to be a legal proceeding for the uh, yeah the, the profits, the other compensatory money he made. Yeah, and I, I, I really hope, and this is this is what I, I really hope the NCAA make sure that they kind of step in on this as well and make sure that this doesn't happen to any other kids out there, especially with NIL being paid out now. Um, because I I could foresee other families doing this, looking to try to get a quick buck. 
But how can he not know that they took all the money for the movie? He got no be, royalties. Because he's a kid. But he got no royalties on the money on he's the movie. A kid. I mean, you would think Think somebody, about how many kids. I know, but his agent going forward, like, hey, man, where's that money that, well, uh, agent, from the royalties? His agent, his agent, though, is agent's different from like a financial advisor. I know, but your royalties, man. Yeah, an agent's <laughs> different from a, a movie, financial royalties advisor. Coming. We, think about it, man. Like, this kid didn't come from a very good up, up uh, background, didn't come from a good upbringing, probably didn't learn financial responsibility. And if you don't learn that, stuff how are you supposed to learn yeah. if you weren't taught that how are you supposed to learn so at the end of the day he trusted people and they backstabbed him based on what it sounds like well it, it's a good lesson for anybody just which is tough get a financial get, advisor anybody this was this is one of the dangers of nil that we've talked about too yes. going forward yeah you need an accountant man yes you need somebody that can uh, account for the cash you're getting. Yes. Because the IRS eventually will want it. Exactly. So And you need to have that money there that you can pay back. Exactly. So get you an get you a financial advisor that you trust. Because some of these people get financial oh, yeah. advisors and they get ripped off by them. Yeah. Get a financial advisor you could trust with the reputation from other athletes that this person is trustworthy and they know what they're doing. And then after that, let them go out there and and make sure that they're handling and helping guide you in the in the right way to handle your finances. Because a lot of these guys don't learn that in the schools that they come from. So um, hopefully everything ends up turning out well for Orr. Hopefully Orr is able to get some of that cash back. Uh, and I, I hope that he's able to make money off of his likeness in a way that'll be good for him and his family in the future, because this is a, a bad story all around. And what they said was, is the Tuies that uh, this is from Yahoo that they uh, they feared taking my in Michael Orr might be construed as an act of bribery rather than parental love if he chose to play for their alma mater. By NCAA rules, the Tuies would have been regarded as Old Miss boosters because of their significant donations to their alma mater. So. I, I don't know, man. I, it, it sounds like just a. It sounds like a complete headache. Yeah, I know. There's a lot With of the NCAA, they're worried about the NCAA and what they thought because here they take him in and he goes and plays for their alma mater. Why? Is, but the thing is, like, why? Why would they still have the conservatorship? And his dad played the, oh, the conservatorship. Dad yeah. played Ole Miss. Yeah, but yeah. my thing is like, why are they still? Why is the conservatorship still in place though? If he's 37 years old. That should not be happening. Yeah, and why are they taking so? Why are they taking basically what would account to like four parts, splitting part of that money four ways, and then giving him his cut in the fifth part there, splitting that money five ways, if it's his money from the blind side? Why are they taking any money off of that? Why do they deserve any of that profit? That should be his. He's an adult. That's his money. If he wants to screw off with it, it's his money. It's not your money. So I, I just hate that part of it there. And that's the reason, that's the thing that really kind of irks me about this whole situation. I want to get into our preview for offensive linemen here as we get into 20, 20, the 2024 class of the NFL draft. We've got a few guys I think Chiefs fans should be looking out for because I think there are some notable names here that the Chiefs could be looking for next year because Donovan Smith is kind of seems like he's a one-year rental unless they decide to to give him an extension. Uh, He's looked very good thus far in preseason, but... Juwan Taylor, you don't have to worry about that Juwan Taylor's looked very good on the right tackle side uh, as well. Who can move over to the left. Yeah, he can move over to the left, so they could be in... And and 
Wanye Morris is a guy that could end up being a starting right tackle in the future. And Tooney could opt out this year, but he's still signed through 2025. I yeah, believe. yeah. I I don't. I'm not so worried about Tooney so much because I think that they'll. I think they can find. Like I think Allegretti, they can plug and play there at the at that left guard spot, and they'll be fine because he's played there. He played some there last year when when uh, Tooney was hurt, and I think he was good. So I, I'm not quite worried about that spot. To me, though, I think there's a good chance that at least one of your you're going to need to fill at least one of your tackle spots. Probably the right tackle if Smith Donovan Smith is done after the year, and then they move Juwan over to left. So. We got to look at some of these guys who are going to be available as tackles in the coming draft. What are some names that pop out to you for that the uh, offensive tackle class for twenty twenty four? Well, I, I think one of them you always have to look at uh, at Alt Joe Alt Joel because Notre of Dame? A top ten pick. You know, yeah, Notre Dame because his dad played for the Chiefs, mm-hmm. so clearly there's a connection there, and the Chiefs have to. Have to, I, I think, like that at a certain point. That would be my top one there, to be honest with you. And um, whether it be top 10 or not, but again, if you're top 10, you're thinking Brock Bowers, somebody like that. But Joe Alt at Notre Dame, you're going to get a chance to watch him against in Dublin this week against Navy. Um, J.C. Latham at Alabama. Yep. At, at tackle. Um, is it the Penn State kid? Uh, Mims at uh, okay. Georgia, Marius okay. Mims. Yeah, Marius. Yeah, yeah, Mims. Yeah. The, the Penn State kids, uh, Kingsley. It, yeah, uh, Sumiata. Yeah, there's King. There's no. Sumiata. That's BYU. I think that's BYU. Oh, that's BYU. Kingsley uh, Sua Matala. Then Penn State's got a kid named uh, Olumuyu uh, Fashanu, who I have seen. I've seen people put him above Joe Walt. I've seen people put him above Joe. Notre Dame's actually got two because Jack Nelson as well. Yeah, there's Jack Nelson there out of Wisconsin. That's another guy. Um, Zion Nelson out of Miami is a, has been another guy. I've Blake seen. Fisher at Notre Dame. So yes. Blake Fisher on one side, Alt on the other. Yeah. So there's two options there at, at tackle for uh, for the Chiefs if they want to go tackle out of Notre Dame. Though uh, I think I think in that case Fisher is more like a second or third pick, second or third round, not quite first. Uh, Graham Barton out of Duke is another name that I've heard thrown out there as a tackle option as well, potential first round guy. I think this is actually uh this might be yeah, a Graham Barton's got some good size on him. Too. I know, yeah, he's got good size. Like all these guys do, like like uh Olumuyua Fashanu at a Penn State 6'6", 320. Massive, massive. Kingsley Sul Matala at a BYU 6'6", 325. Another guy, uh th- like ta- Miami's another team that has two good tackles out of there. Uh I don't think this guy's probably is going to be a first round guy, but he could be like a good second day guy. Second day guy, uh, Francis Maui Goa out of Miami, six six three forty one. They got massive guys in this draft class. Well, Miami's loaded on offensive line. Loaded on offensive line. They got massive guys on this on on uh, in this draft class here. I I really think that if the Chiefs really want to go offensive line early, like first round, this might be the year to do it. Especially if we start to see some of those young receivers develop, like a Rasheed Rice, a, a Sky Moore, a Kadarius Tony type, then early next year, instead of them pushing to uh, try and trade up and and, and you know get a, a receiver, if it's not quite a deep class, they could actually sit back where they are, wherever they are. If they're picking thirty-two next year, that'd be great. Um, and then they could go offensive tackle 
and really kind of shore up their offensive line for the next few years because you got Jawan Taylor for three more years after this season. And you obviously, if you take a, a tackle in the first round, you got him four years, fifth-year option. So now you've got a few years before you even got to pay him that 20-plus million dollars that offensive tackles are going for if he pans out as a really good tackle. This could be the year that the Chiefs kind of solidify their line for the next at least three years. You're going to have to look at something because you get a young offensive line. You can't pay everybody. Like when you go to pay Creed and then after the 24 season, Trey Smith's a you know, free agent. So the, you have know, to deal with the Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith. You're going to have to go out and you know, figure who you're going to sign. Well, both, those, sign both those guys are going to come up after the 24 season. Yeah, after the 24 season. So you have to decide, are you going to keep them both or are right. you going to keep one? Because Trey Smith keeps going and going. And I wouldn't be surprised if he starts getting that club, getting some all pro mentioned. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if Trey Smith prices himself out yeah. of the Chiefs territory. 100%. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked. Um, so, yeah, there's going to be options there. But I think, like, at, at this moment, if you're the Chiefs, you got to prioritize tackle. That's kind of, you know, that's kind of shaping up. It's kind of been an issue for the last few years. Obviously, we they had the overhaul after the 20 season. Schwartz basically done with football. Eric Fisher played a year in, uh, in Indy. And so you had to replace your tackles and you went Orlando Brown Jr. And then you tried Mike Rimmers, eventually settled on Andrew Wiley. And after that, last year, Orlando Brown Jr. and Andrew Wiley weren't so great at their positions. They kind of struggled there. You had to help them out a lot with chips from uh, Jarek McKinnon and, and Noah Gray. And uh, it worked. You won a Super Bowl. But I, I don't think you can just rely on that all the time. It's really hard especially because I think teams are going to eventually teams are going to figure out how to counter the chip. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have to work around that. Yeah, and, and that's why I think it's good that you have tackles that you don't need that have to strategize all this. Help yeah, watch the Notre Dame game this weekend with Blake Fisher on one side yep. and Joe Walton on the other side. I mean, that's a, that's a stout offensive line. Yeah. Two guys that will, you know, Alt will be a top 10 pick. I do believe Fisher. Probably sure. later first round, maybe. later first or or early second, second round, yeah. early second. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I I think that there's. There, I think the Chiefs are going to have a lot of good, healthy options for what they could do with those, with at least one of those tackle spots. So let's get to preseason week number two. One more week after, uh, one more week of of uh, preseason football this weekend. Most of the starters will not be playing this weekend. I think the only starter I've seen is going to play this weekend is Aaron Rodgers for the uh, for the Jets in their annual game against the Giants. Which is weird. Which is weird because it's the last preseason game of the year. Well, so Let me ask you this, though, too. So, Anthony Richardson, your Florida guy. Yes. Gets the treatment. He did. He did hey. not play week two. More street clothes, I do believe. Yeah, he, yeah he street he clothes this week. Week yeah. two. All right. And then you got a guy like Mahomes after playing on terrible field in Arizona play. Played on another. Yeah, he played on. Yeah, so he, yeah. is that the right decision? With David? I don't think it was. I think he should at least taken a series or two. Anthony Richardson should be playing. I think Andrew, Anthony Richardson should be playing this coming weekend. As a rookie? I mean, come on. It's not even just that. He has not played very much football in his career since high school. When he was in college, he was only a starter for 13 games. He got the treatment, man. They they gave him an they gave him an opportunity to win the job in 2021. He was not good enough to win in 2021. In 22, he basically had the job by default. That's the reason why uh, Emory Jones transferred to Arizona State, and he never really showed that he was a superstar player. He showed spurts of it here and there, but not consistently at Florida. That's the reason why there were so many question marks about where he would be drafted at. And then he solidified his position with that great combine that he had back in February. I personally think he should be playing as many games as possible. 
so they can get as many reps and get used to playing NFL style football. Because I, I, I was asked this this weekend at a pool party. It's like you, you got a player that you draft out of uh, college in baseball. You put him in AAA and they play there for, I mean, AA and they play there for a month. And then after that month, you call them up to the major leagues and say, here, now try to hit major league hitting. But they were hitting barely above the Mendoza line in AA. Like, is that really the best idea? Well, you, Probably you get, not. Did you, you see where the, uh, I think it was the, the Texans and was it the Saints that were going to have a joint practice this week and they can't, they called it off, like able to play the preseason? Yeah. They just call it off. But we saw the number one and number two pick go that had much better week twos and, and much, young much and better this, Stroud this past had better, weekend, yeah. had better runs at the quarterback position for week two. I Week two is the dress rehearsal, man. And yeah. I, listen, I hate preseason football. I, I say that, but I, no, I, no, I, no, I you deep down. You sent out the I football's like back tweet. I, yeah, you sent out the football's back tweet. Well, I enjoy it. And, and, uh, during but the I understand, Hall but I don't want to see guys get hurt either. Like, I was concerned oh, about yeah. the Chiefs in yeah. that Arizona. Isaiah, Bol- Isaiah Bolden for the Patriots. They can't, they they, they uh, canceled the rest of that game after he got concussed and got carted off the field. Yeah, you worry about injuries in those games. Yeah. I mean, you know, my guy Stetson Bennett, you know, yeah. rolling with the Rams. He did throw a pick six, though, I'll be honest with you. But he yeah. played like three quarters yeah, he did. against the Raiders. Uh, Nathan O'Connell, everybody's talking about him out of Purdue yeah, he for the really, Raiders. He really, he's really good for the Raiders. Looking yeah. like maybe the best <laughs> he's been quarterback the best, out there. He's been the best preseason uh, rookie quarterback, yeah. We saw Clayton Toon uh, out of uh, Arizona. Didn't look, great. Play the Chiefs. Didn't look great. He 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 struggled against. You get that to see Chiefs Dorian defense. Thompson Robinson this week. DTR. DTR no, we get to see him against the Chiefs. Yeah, DTR's looked very good in the in the uh, in the preseason thus far. Like he looks like a very solid backup quarterback to Deshaun. I I get to see I, some Tanner McKee with Philly. Yeah, I'm I, I'm the one game that. Anthony Richardson played in. I think you kind of saw you saw why you should be worried about him, but I think you also saw why you should be excited about his potential because he did make some plays with his legs and his arm, did make some tough throws. He had a really good corner out um, throw that he made. It's just he hasn't played enough football, and I think he's going to make a lot of mistakes this year. And I just don't want the Colts to be you know like eh, he sucks, and then two years from now they're looking for another quarterback because they're terrible and. You know, it's six straight or six or seven straight years that they've had a different starting quarterback. Yeah, because because like what happens if they're the worst team in football? What and it'd be tough because the Cardinals in there, are bad. at the end of the lock. Then you got Rivers thrown yeah. in there and like because the Cardinals are a bad team. Wins. Cardinals could very well be in in play for that number one. But what if the Colts get the number one? You got Caleb Williams sitting there, and he looks like a surefire superstar. And you've got this developmental guy in Anthony Richardson. It could very well be a, a Josh Rosen type situation where he gets traded after one year, and now they're you know he's having to start over with a new team, new offense, new terminology, and the Colts go another direction. I don't want that to happen to Anthony, so I'm kind of worried about that situation. Well, you look at what they've had since uh, Andrew Luck. It's been bad. Matt Hasselbeck, the Josh Freeman, Andrew Luck year there. Then yep. Then Jacoby Brissett, Brissett was in there. Philip Rivers, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan. Anthony Richardson. That's a sleeper team that could be good. They were really set back with Andrew Luck. Yes. It really, but here's the deal, really though. Set back. For teams, again, we're looking at maybe six to eight quarterbacks going in the first round. This is the year, if you're going to suck, to grab a quarterback. I, I don't think it'll be six. I think it'll probably be like four. I think. Oh, I think we're more, going more than four. I think it's going to be four. I, I just feel like a lot of these quarterbacks are going to play themselves out of the first round. Because, it. I mean, how often do we see years where it's like more than four? Once every five or not even five, like once every 10 years, maybe 
There's just not that many classes where you see tons and tons of quarterbacks going there like that. I mean, Will Levis was a guy that I, that everybody was sure was going to be a first-round quarterback, and he played himself into the second round. I just feel like there's going to be... So Caleb Williams for sure. Yeah. Drake May. I Drake May is going for sure. Those two are going for sure. Um, who like who else is a for sure thing? Those two are definite for sure. Those are the only two for sures I got. I think Quinn Ewers is a first rounder. I don't think he is. It, any mock you look at, he's in the first. Yeah, round. but again, this is mocking a in August. Like again, Spencer Rattler two years ago was a first round for sure quarterback, and he ended maybe up three. Shakur Sanders could get in there. I don't. I don't think Shadur Sanders is going to be there. I. I don't. Uh, I. JJ McCarthy. No. I think he's probably going to be second. He or could third though. Game. Like JJ McCarthy could. could get oh, himself he very well in there. could. I just don't think he will. But um, if all goes well, you could see five or six. At least I think the high water mark says six at this I, point. At this point, KJ Jefferson at Arkansas. KJ Jefferson's an so, option. So yes. that would be five, and we're getting to, they're close to six at this point because KJ Jefferson. And I do think Quinn goes in the first round. I think Quinn. Michael Penix. He's going the first round at Washington. That's six. I think Penix will go first round. I don't think Quinn Ewers is going to go first round. I think he's second-round quarterback. I think Bo Nix is a second-round quarterback. K.J. Jefferson, second-round Spencer round Rattler, second-rounder. Spencer Rattler is probably going to be a third- or fourth-rounder. I think he's going to draw up. Like, that's a guy that for years— For the hype. He's a first-rounder with hype. He's a, I don't think the hype is going Bo to be Nicks there. Bo Nix, too. Like, Spencer Rattler was the top-rated quarterback in the class two years ago, and he's transferred since, and then he stayed there for a year at South Carolina. I'm not buying Rattler. I do think he pulls that upset off against uh, against Drake. He's once considered the top overall pick in Oklahoma. I just think it's. I think it's. I, I know it's. And, and then he was. And then after so that, moved. instead of going into the draft, he got benched. And then he transferred to South Carolina. I'm just not buying that. They love him in South Carolina. I think we're probably going to have three. Oh, I think three. I, I'll take the over on that. Three. Right now, I'm gonna say three. We'll see two months from who's now. your third lock. So Caleb Williams, Michael Penix Jr., Michael Penix, right? Yeah, Michael Penix Jr. And I think there's a good chance I'm skeptical that Quinn on Quinn Ewers. I'm JJ very McCarthy skeptical. Get in there. Who? JJ McCarthy can get in there. I don't, think, I don't think JJ get in there. gets in. I don't think JJ's a first rounder, and I don't think KJ is. I think JJ's probably second round, but I'm not quite. I'm not quite sold on that. So rounding out the show here. We gotta we gotta talk about these young Chiefs wide receivers and one guy who has stood out above all else. Your guy, guy that you touted a lot after the draft, Rasheed Rice, out of Southern Methodist University. Uh, He was the team's leading receiver. I think he had six catches for 85 yards. I mean, just looked like a beast after the catch. Like, you know, you know that adage, you know, they've been talking about it a lot. Uh, You know, he looks like a running back after the catch. He very much looked like a running eight, back. Eight for ninety four. Eight for ninety four. Yeah, I was all. No, he did. I mean, you look at his, his, you know, the back at SMU, the pop pass. They did that a lot when he would go in motion. We've seen a lot with McCall yeah, Hardman. Just, that kind of just deal. hey, let's get you a quick screen. And let you run after. And the again, catch. he had ninety six catches. Second on that team was thirty seven. Third on that team was twenty eight. Chris, I mean, I I don't know where to look this up, but I would like to know the gap between one and two receivers for a college football team. But ninety six to thirty seven. <laughs> I mean, he's he was like a Grand thousand Canyon, yard receiver. Evil can even over it. Yeah. How many? Rece- he had like over hundred receptions as well at SMU last he had 96 year. Ninety six. Ninety six. Okay, so he was near a hundred, over a thousand y- receiving yards. Clearly, their number one. Not even close. There's the number two receiver was not even close. And not even close. The whole thing with the whole thing with Rasheed Rice is this. Some I've been saying since character concerns we were doing the draft. 
said this, you found your Sammy Watkins guy. And Mahomes, last week, says he reminds me of Sammy Watkins, the physicality. Today, this being Monday when we record this, was asked this at the Chiefs practice today. Is he is he like Sammy Watkins? And he said, who said that? I'm paraphrasing here. Who said that? And he yeah. said, they said Mahomes. He goes, yeah, yes, then. If they would have said Bouchelle or Gabbard, I don't Michelle, know. What, like, I don't know or Gabbard, I don't know if he would have been like, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know. Who, who said, oh, Mahomes said, okay, oh, yeah, 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 we good. yeah, I like that. If Mahomes said, I look like anybody, that's who I am. So, yeah, but he's got, Chris, he's got the, the Sammy Watkins, the ex personalities. I said uh, with Dusty when I jumped in there talking about Rasheed Rice for a second, I was looking at kind of, how he plays and what they've been looking for. Because I'll go back to that regular season game with the Chiefs and Patriots. And Stephon Gilmore was coming off Defensive Player of the Year, right? He was good. Who watched? It wasn't Tyree Kill. Stephon Gilmore was on Sammy Watkins the entire game. So much so they even got a scuffle at some point. Yeah. And I, Andy Reid texting the pictures of his ring to Juju because they wanted that fill. They didn't get him. They didn't get that Sammy Watkins type with Juju because he stayed in Pittsburgh that one year. They finally get it. But to me, and this is why I had this, Chris, and I brought the argument up. Who's got more pressure on him, Rasheed Rice or Sky Moore in uh, in year one for when they're a team? Not year two with Sky Moore, year one. And I'm saying Rice because he fills a need they don't have. So I will say this again. I've said this before about about the whole Sammy Watkins, Stephon Gilmore thing. The reason why Stephon Gilmore was on Sammy is because he can't cover Tyreek. We know that. Like he he can't. They'd have to bracket him anyways. So it's well, a waste he's the of time. Best to, defensive back in the league at that point. Yeah, but he couldn't cover Tyreek. Nobody can Nobody cover Tyreek one on one. Like they tried Jalen Ramsey when they played the Jags in 2018. Jalen Ramsey couldn't cover him. But there was a reason why Veach because covered he him. couldn't. Yeah, of course he did. Of course he did. And I, and I I think that the biggest reason why they coveted him is because he fills that possession route role that they like because he's not going to be the big explosive guy but he's the guy that they can run as a second option after the you can catch and run after the catch but he's not I mean they're not, they don't cover him the same way they cover like a Travis Kelsey type like let's just be honest about that um, but he does fill a role that they do not have I don't think that there's pressure on him this year because of the fact that I don't think there's going to be a ton of expectations. He still hasn't cracked the starting lineup as of now. Well, in, in a rookie receiver with with Reed, we've yeah, seen that. Yeah, but, I, but I, I I just don't think like he's going to get the playing time to warrant any pressure. Well, I think it'll be more on. instrumental, I think, to the offense than what Sky Moore was last year. And maybe, I, I look at additions. Of, maybe until the, Kadarius Tony gets. There wasn't back. many additions. Yeah, they bring Justin Watson back, but Richie James was the big addition. Yeah, now, I really like the way he's playing. I do, and I'll be honest with you. Yeah, I know he's punt returner right now and kick returner because he's now over Derek Prince at returning kicks. Yeah. But what do we see with Tyreek? They started scaling that stuff back when it became instrumental in the offense. I think Richard James is going to be instrumental in this year's offense. I don't offense. think he will. I don't think he will. I think because I think, you know, unless KT keeps getting hurt, which is a very good chance, I think it's Kadarius Tony. I think it's MVS. And I think it's Sky Moore. And then after that, I think it's Justin Watson, number four. That's why I think I'd is, say Richie James, man. I don't think Richie James. I think Richie like Richie James would have to be spectacular to like like he he'd have to be really reliable because like the one thing that hurts Justin Watson is that he's not reliable all the time. Well, he's, like, he's also their deep threat. You yeah, know, but he's a, his, he's a deep threat, but at the same time, he's also not reliable. All the time. He drops passes a lot. And he'll get we, the touchdown in Arizona. Yeah, he'll get you a touchdown, but he'll also drop a pass too on a on a crucial down. And so if Richie James can prove to be reliable. Then all of a sudden, now he's your number four. Justin's your number five. Where's Rasheed at? Well, he's your, your sixth best receiver. But Rasheed has been getting there at the ones. 
He has been getting there in the ones, yeah. And But, like, if Kadarius was out there, would he be getting as much time with the ones? And I'll say this, too. Sky Moore, to his credit, I, I like the way he do it. I love Sky Moore coming out of college. That's why Ooh. I actually mocked him yeah. in the first round big, of the Chiefs. I was a big fan of Sky Moore, too. Every practice Mahomes had in Texas, Sky yeah. Moore was right there. Yep. Every single one of them. He was at Camp Pat this year. Trying to build every single one, trying to build it up. We know his hands. We know he can catch anything thrown at him. Yeah. And I, I, I just think... I think the sky is going to take some big strides this year. And I think that is going. And I, I think once Kadarius gets back, if he can stay healthy, I think Kadarius, Sky, and MVS give you your best chance to win. They'll obviously rotate other guys in. Rasheed will get some, he'll get some options. Yeah. He'll, get, he'll get a few catches this year. I just don't think that they're going to rely on him at all just because you have guys who are more experienced in the offense. And I think they got guys who they think could be more dynamic. Well, here was the snap count on the dress rehearsal game two. Right. First out of nine plays. First two series. MBS seven. Sky Moore six. Justin Watson five. Or she Rice four. Exactly. Out of nine plays. Yeah. So, so that should so show add, you how they really like so Rasheed Rice. add KT in there. And he probably gets a lot less snaps. Well, and and, 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 and now, now he did have almost twice as many snaps as Richie James on the game with the ones. Um, he had Richie had eleven to Richie James's six. But I I think that if Richie really shows his stuff because he's more experienced, he's going to get the benefit of the doubt. Over and how about Amir Smith Marset? Here's the thing: he's not going to make the team, but he's man, not going to. But man, but man, that's a guy you want to put in your practice squad. But he's not going. He's not going to stay in the guy practice you squad. Can see, but somebody's gonna grab him and throw him yeah, on at fifty three. He's that good. He's that good. Yeah. I this is a good problem. Watch to have. the Chiefs cuts. That's what they like be enemy these guys, they'll be watching. I'll say this. If you were the Chiefs and you had an option to keep Justin Ross or Amir Smith and Marset, who are you keeping? Like if it's you, who are you keeping? Just because, well, I don't know, man. I, I know it's tough. It's it is tough. tough. It is a tough one. I like Justin Ross's size, though. I know, I know you do. And I, I like, like the way that he go, came back from the, the, that injury. You know, let's it, go with college who's and better. Then the footing hit two big. But let's go with who's better right now. Who what? are you keeping? I don't know. I don't because Ross didn't have to play his last year at Clemson because he got hurt. There yeah. was thoughts that he might never play football again with that fusion surgery and all that. Yeah, thoughts he may never play again, but he did. And I give him credit; that he had that foot injury and still played through it. He's just a tough guy, man. I like his will. I like the way he so, plays. So you're going to go with Justin Ross? Yeah, I'm going to go Justin Ross. <laughs> I'm going to go take that 6'4". I'm going to go with Amir Smith-Marset. And it's, because, it's tough to say that, man, because I like the way Amir's playing too. And the thing is, is because I, I don't, I don't, but really, he, but he I don't think the, against. I don't think the Chiefs care about the size like that. Like they, like the only guy that they have that's well over that six one is threshold is MVS. But he's getting run earlier. But MVS yeah. is only on the team because of his speed, not because yeah. of his size. But he's getting run against better defenders than Amir at this point. Yeah, yeah. But I think the thing is, is. I think when I look at Amir Smith Marset, I see a kid who it's just, been a draft pick. He's been a draft pick in this league. Yeah, and and the thing is, is like this is a kid who has worked his way. He's like it's what Darius Fountain was a few years ago. Yeah. You remember Darius Fountain? Oh yeah. And he just he just he he you, he was one of those guys you rooted for. He's a camp guy, absolutely. See, camp guy, and he looked good. And it's like. I just you kind of want to see that guy get a shot pitching hole in there with the fountain. I know, and I, I, I but Justin I, Ross could be a freaking star if he wants. To. There's a reason why I wasn't drafted the surgeries. Yeah, and I, the thing that and that concern the injuries kind of concern me, and that's the no reason one's why ever I, played with that injury he had in his neck. I know, and that's the reason why I'm kind of more in line with Amir Smith Marset because he doesn't have that injury history the same way that Justin Ross does, and like that's a guy that knows what it's like to have to work the way up because he wasn't like. 
He wasn't gifted the way that Justin Ross. He didn't come in with the hype like Justin Ross had. Genital fusion in the spine. They, I know. They, they, like they both sat down with him and yeah. the whole medical team at Clemson. His they mom, weren't sure if he could play. If anymore. he ever played, but he came back. He came. And back. Then he had that stress and factor. That's great. Essentially, a broken foot and still played. Yeah, I like that. And then he missed all last season with I like an injury. That. And he shined in the biggest games. Yeah. Like I said, I, I understand that. I think I'm going to go with Smith Marset. Okay. So. Well, he's a draft pick in this league. So. Yeah. So that's it for this week's episode. Oh, of... college football. You, you want to talk about the game you're looking forward, oh, yeah. forward to? Oh, yeah. Let's, yeah. let's do that. Um, so what's your most, <laughs> what's your most uh, anticipated game this coming weekend? You know what? I, I got to go Navy and Notre Dame because we're talking about the offensive line at Notre Dame watching. 130 in Dublin. Um, this Saturday, uh, not a ton of good matchups. You get this UMass and New Mexico State actually made ESPN yeah. at six o'clock. Yeah, that's not a great. It match. just shows you the schedule. <laughs> yeah, the, um, the the New Mexico State Aggies actually, you know, it's seven o'clock on. Uh, said it's on the Pac-12 network, which really sucks. Is why the Pac-12 is falling apart. San Jose State and USC. You want to see Caleb Williams, you know, start to roll with the USC. Yeah. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that that's, game as well. That's my game to watch. I, I obviously you definitely want to watch Notre Dame game, especially for your Chiefs fan, because both of their offensive tackles are going to be guys you want to watch. Notre Dame's got a lot of talent on that team this year. Uh, I, I, I'm really rooting for Marcus Freeman, their head coach. Um, I really hope that they are a team that's in the mix down the down the line there. And I definitely want to get a good look at those offensive tackles they got there. Then the following Thursday, you're going to have South Dakota, Missouri. It's SEC Network. Utah, Florida, 7 o'clock. Most State and KU, yep. 7 o'clock on Friday, ESPN+. Plus. Yep. And then you got SEMO uh, and K-State on Saturday yeah, and at we'll, 6 o'clock on and, and, and we'll And we'll break down those matchups a little bit more probably next week. For those guys, yeah. For, For week guys, one, yeah. though, that's the... Yeah. Week one's the... I mean, it's UMass, New Mexico State, Ohio, uh, San Diego State, Hawaii, Vanderbilt. Again, San Jose State, USC, even though USC is a 30-and-a-half-point favorite in this yes. game because you want to see what Caleb Williams... And that's, that's, so that's, my, that's, that's my that's my interest in this. That's my game. But that's this is high game. school football week, man. This yeah. is Missouri showcase. Yeah, there'll there'll be some high school games on on ESPN this weekend. Um, yeah, San but Jose maybe State. Notre Dame to me is the highlight because Notre Dame thirteenth in the country. Yeah, I I Navy is always fun to watch. Notre Dame a twenty and a half point favorite in that game. I think I want to see obviously the alignment at Notre Dame. I want to see Caleb Williams. I want to see him start off his defense with his Heisman Trophy. And really show that he does. He's he's worth the kind of hype he's getting. Because uh, again, we've talked about this a few weeks ago. It seems a little bit over the top there, as far as the Mahomes comparisons. I want to see if, with the pressure now, can he live up to that? He's lived up to a lot of stuff, and he's uh, he's talked a big game too. He's talked a big game too. He's talked and a big game. You're but- talking a big game, and and. When you have a lot of hype there, people are going to start asking some questions about you. I'm going to watch that, but if you want to watch the offensive line play, watch Notre Dame with Joe Walt at one of the tackles and Blake Fisher on the other side, the two bookends there for Notre Dame. So that is this week's edition of the Character Concerns podcast. Make sure you like and subscribe the to the podcast on all platforms that you listen to. We appreciate you guys listening to us as always. Uh, we'll be back next week to preview some more college football matchups, pre- preview another position group to watch out for this coming season. Um, plus, next week, since we will actually have uh, more games to talk about because next week will be week one of the college football season. You will actually have, we'll give you some key matchups for prospects as a Chiefs fan. Well, that the you three can locals watch out going. For. 
lot of local, all the local teams will be playing. So we'll get you hyped up for that. For Jay Binkley, I'm Kristen Ocero. Thanks for listening, guys.